For Christmas, Archbishop Nauman gave all the priests this book, End Game. It's written by two men, John Van Eck, who's an evangelical Protestant, and J.P. DeGance, a very devout Catholic man named after John Paul. Well, these two businessmen wanted to get at the root of why are so many youth abandoning the faith? They're really sobering statistics. So one-third of all young people under the age of 30 say, well, we don't believe in anything. Sherry Waddell, in her book, Forming Intentional Disciples, reports that nationwide, 11% of millennials are not going to church. So what's happening? Why are our youth leaving the church? Well, these two authors crunched the data, examined the problem, and they found a single correlation that explains this phenomenon. It's all about marriage. If a young person is growing up today in a home with a mother and father who are married, they are still going to church at about the same rate as the baby boomers in Generation X. But this phenomena of youth leaving the church is explained by broken families. Now, don't read into this some sort of fatalism thinking, oh my gosh, I'm divorced, my children are doomed. Our own Archbishop grew up in a single-parent home. Perhaps all of us in some way have been touched by divorce. My own sister is divorced. Thanks be to God for two sons who are still practicing the faith. So the authors are not like about condemning a certain group of people, but they're pointing out that, hey, if we care about our kids, we need to invest in marriage. They point out that nationwide, we spend billions of dollars every year on youth ministry, and that's a good thing. We have youth retreats, youth conferences, and all that's important. But they say much more than that, we also need to be investing resources in marriage. Because the best thing we can provide for our children is a mom and dad who love each other and who are married. The foundation of the family is marriage. Before she died, Sister Lucia, one of the Fatima visionaries, she prophesied the final battle between Christ and Satan is going to be over marriage and the family. Now listen to the sobering statistics today about marriage. So traditionally, most American households were comprised of married people with children. But you know, that's less than half of households today. In fact, 45.5% of American adults are unmarried. Since 1970, the number of weddings in the Catholic Church have declined 73%. People are not getting married in the church. And this is not just the Catholic Church. Nationwide, we are at an all-time low for marriage per capita. People are living together. Cohabitation, living together outside of marriage, has skyrocketed. A recent Nielsen survey revealed getting married and having children were the least desirable goals of millennials. How did we get to this point where more babies today are being born to unmarried moms than married moms? Where a third of all children 
will see their mom living with two or more unmarried partners by the time they're teenagers, where there's been an absence of fathers in the family, where loneliness, depression, and anxiety have reached all-time highs in the United States. Well, the authors of Endgame, they offer evidence of what has caused this collapse of marriage. Now, in a 10-minute homily, I can't go through the whole thing, but I'll tell you one of the main keys that they point to. They say the collapse of marriage has happened by a decoupling of sex from marriage, which especially skyrocketed during the sexual revolution thanks to the advent of the birth control pill. God has made us as sexual beings, so our sexuality is something sacred and holy, and by the grace of the Holy Spirit, we have the papacy of John Paul II, who taught us the theology of the body, and beautifully shared that sex is the language of the body that is meant to speak the truth of the marriage vows. So when a married couple engages in marital relations, they are speaking their marriage vows with their bodies. They're saying to each other, I give myself totally to you. Our one flesh union is a sign of our covenant and commitment and communion with each other that's then life-giving and fruitful. In traditional Catholic moral theology, we've talked about two primary ends of our sexuality. The unitive and procreative. Sex is for bonding and babies. Sex is meant to be a way a couple expresses commitment, communion, life, and love. Amazingly, God has allowed human beings to participate in His creative power through the procreation of children. What has happened as a result of the sexual revolution? This decoupling from sex and marriage. Now sex is not seen so much as a way to express commitment, communion, life, and love, but it's seen as something I do for my own gratification and pleasure, devoid of any commitment, devoid of the responsibilities of parenthood. As one headline put it today, it's sex without strings and relationships without rings. We're in the hookup culture. Sex is seen as something I just do for fun. And here's the logic. No commitment, then no obligations. No obligations, no disappointments. No disappointments, no hurt. No hurt, then no risks. But we know this is a lie. That using others or being used is a violation of our human dignity. And sin leaves us wounded. Now, it sounds on the surface, wow, no commitment, no obligations, that sounds liberating. But it leaves the human heart feeling alone, devoid of meaning and purpose in life, used and discarded. Do you know the happiest people are those who are in lasting commitments, those who are married or who are committed in religious life? These are the happiest people. That's why strengthening marriage and family is one of the key priorities of our parish and of our diocese. Now, what are the solutions? We want to implement 
The whole theory here of them came that we want to invest in marriage and create a whole life cycle of support for marriage because we know that bringing a couple to a three to six month engaged marriage pre-Canaan process and then saying, okay, God bless you, have a happy marriage, that's not working. We need to support marriage throughout life. So beginning by teaching theology of the body, K-12, we need to teach our children what true love means. Why commitment is essential to happiness and purpose in life. And what a healthy relationship looks like. And then we have revamped our marriage prep program. We launched in August a new marriage pro- program called Witness to Love, which involves this couple-to-couple mentorship. So each engaged couple is paired up with a mentor couple. Now, here's the interesting thing. The engaged couple gets to choose their mentor couple. So you could be chosen to be a lead couple for a married prep couple. Don't panic. You're not going to be asked to teach any theology. We're going to do that. But you will be asked to share your experience. Even the difficulties and trials of marriage. We want to know the nitty-gritty. Okay, now after marriage... We want to offer formation for newlyweds. Monsignor Tank is kind of a wisdom figure in our diocese. He's always said, look, we need to be offering something after people get married because that's when they begin living marriage and all the trials come up. And so we have just kicked off a formation program for newlyweds. So Deacon John and his wife Zena are leading the first cohort of young couples through a 12-week formation. They have 12 newlywed couples who are going through this formation. And these young couples are hungering for this, to be connected to each other and to work through marriage together, knowing they're supported. And then we want to have ongoing marriage enrichment opportunities in the parish. And finally, we want to form... Marriage mentors for crisis marriages. So if you've been married 40 or 50 years, it's not time to retire and go to the golf course. We need your experience to help our young couples. Now, another exciting thing is Archbishop Nauman is inviting one of the authors, J.P. DeGans, to come to our diocese and hold a workshop for all the priests and deacons and young couples from our parishes. The authors are going to share about their marriage initiative called Communio that they're bringing to cities. And Archbishop Nauman is interested in bringing Communio to Kansas City. I want St. Michael to be a key player in that. So more to follow about Communio. Let me just close with this. I want to briefly tie in the gospel to all of this because... I've I've told you before, the Sunday Gospel, the interpretive key, is found in the first reading. What does Isaiah prophesy in the first reading? That God's whole plan of salvation is to wed his people. And so Isaiah says this, As a young man marries a virgin, your builder, your maker, your creator, is going to marry you. Now, Jesus fulfills this gospel. He is the bridegroom. How do we know that from the gospel? Because it was the primary responsibility of the bridegroom to provide the wine for the wedding feast. 
That's why the head waiter goes to the bridegroom and says, Wow, you've saved the choice wine to the end. But who really provided the wine? It was Jesus. He is the bridegroom. And His church is the bride. And this whole prophecy of Isaiah about God wedding His people is fulfilled for us right here in the Mass. It's here that Jesus, our bridegroom, joins His body to ours. In this nuptial union in the Eucharist, we are wed to Christ in holy communion. And what is the fruit of communion? Life. Don't we see that in marriage? What is the fruit of communion? Life. Jesus says, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood will live forever. Why is marriage so important? Because it is the most visible sign in the world of God's love for us. This is why the devil wants to destroy marriage. There's no accident that Jesus' first miracle was at a wedding feast. He's elevating marriage to be a sacrament, a visible sign in the world of his love for us.